Greetings! Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Foley. I'm Jared. And uh, today's episode would be Where Silence Has Lease, episode two of season two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my goodness. This, well, no, this is a pretty good episode. Yeah. It, Aside from our main antagonist. It would be a great episode with no antagonist. Yeah, yeah. If it was just this formless void that they got into. Basics of the episode. The Enterprise is heading along and... And, oh, shit, there's a, a hole in space. A space hole. And they're gonna... You're a space hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that hurts. <laughs> oh, I started to mean to derail you there. Uh. <laughs> Anyhow, they've never come across anything like this before, except, of course, that they did in the original series in the Immunity Syndrome, where they come across exactly this kind of thing. Mm. But that's neither here nor there. It's also a better episode. It is a better episode. It's got the, it's the Amoeba one. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. shit rules. Anyhow, anyhow um, they, uh, they get stuck in this space hole, and <laughs> shit goes down. It's crazy. And then there's this face guy. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are, you, are you referring to Nagilum? <laughs> I am referring to Nagilum. Oh, Nagilum. He's just this guy with a face. <laughs> Fucking Nagilum. Yeah, he's a... He's... Uh, he's He's just garbage. He, he's the ultimate space troll. Yeah, he, he basically trolls the crew for an hour and then lets them go. That is the synopsis yes. for this episode. From the planet 4chan comes Nagilum to fuck with everyone. Because, like, it's it's got this really great kind of almost a horror atmosphere until he shows up with his weird face and starts taunting them. Like, it, it just yeah. loses all of its momentum. Like, it would be yeah. a great episode other than that. But Yeah, everything kind of comes man. screeching to a halt once we find out that oh they're they're in a lab and he's conducting experiments on them even, much, even that's okay it's just yeah. like he but seeing the uh the scientist and you know getting the <laughs> motivations it, it takes away some of the menace because it just becomes very kind of clinical and dull well that becomes something we've seen so many times before mm-hmm. yeah. on versions of this show it's just oh it's it's an un- omnipotent godlike antagonist yeah mm-hmm. who just wants to see how these humans operate at the same time, though, I mean, this is pretty much the first time in TNG that we've been presented with this plot synopsis. Yeah, it's uh, it's new to TNG. That's true. Yeah. Um, so we were reading up a little bit on this episode, as we do here being professional podcasters who do our research before we dive into an episode. That's right. Yes. Uh, and it turns out that one of the particular challenges of this episode was the fact that the majority the majority of it was filmed on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And the bridge is fine when you're there for a couple of minutes, but when you spend most of the episode there, it becomes very boring very quickly. And the director had to uh, find ways to make the bridge interesting and to make make it uh, seem less static and he uh, apparently accomplished this and I think he must have accomplished it well because I certainly didn't notice yeah. Uh, that uh, he accomplished it through a lot of different angles uh, and also through uh, the choreography of people moving through the bridge and through the uh, through that space. Um, something I wouldn't have even thought about. Well, and, and you know, it's not just the bridge, but, you know, they, they have the Yamato and yeah. they go to the Yamato and spend all their time on the Yamato's bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on, on two different Yamato's bridges. The, the Yamato sister There's only ship. one bridge. Oh, man. One Riker. One bridge. One bridge. 
rage! And, and Worf cannot handle the paradox. It, it's just completely I, outside of Worf's his ability. Worf's tiny little Klingon brain practically implodes on itself when the when one of the doors opens and reveals another bridge. Well, they did, as Jerry kind of pointed out when we were talking about this earlier, uh, the Worf kind of alludes to, earlier in the episode, to this... Klingon fable about a monster in space that will swallow you up and essentially take Klingons to Klingon hell. And Klingon hell, I guess, sounds a lot like what they encounter on the Amato. So Worf is justifiably freaking out, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's it's kind of a theological quandary for him. It's it's a really horrifying thing to just suddenly find yourself in your your culture's folk description of hell. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this episode can really be is one in particular where you can really enjoy it just for the goofiness of it as much as anything else. <laughs> oh yeah, the the opening like, of the episode is oh, <laughs> There's a lot of great comedy yeah. in this. The episode opens with Picard and he's pensive he comes out of his ready room and then he's he's gonna go back in but no 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 he's gonna stay on the bridge he's gonna stay on the bridge mm-hmm. has a sit down and Deanna Troy using her uh, her amazing powers of empathy things yeah of empathy deduces <clears throat> that uh, Picard is worried and he says that he's worried with reason because you see William Riker and Lieutenant Worf mm-hmm. are exercising together on the holodeck they went to the gym together yeah <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh shit oh shit they're gonna get so ripped they're gonna get cut is that what he's worried about yes that's exactly what Picard oh. is worried about. <laughs> He's going to get outshone. Exactly. They're going to come on the bridge and there's Picard surrounded by beefcake like on either side of him. I think that's, that's how he likes like a dream. It. Yeah, that's how he likes things. <laughs> <laughs> no, Picard needs to be the star. The star, but not the stud. I suppose, but let's, I mean, let's face facts, he's got a pretty sausage-heavy bridge. Like He does. does well, I guess, well, no, Data is fully functional, so I guess yeah, he we, does have we, a sausage. Yeah, we have confirmation. It's basically, now that you know, they got the Yars out of the picture, it's basically yeah. just Troy. Yeah, oh man. And for most of this episode, unfortunately, Pulaski. Pulaski. But, yeah. okay, so with with Worf's... Calisthenics? Calisthenics? Yeah. They, they fight these two silly-looking Zelda monsters. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> yeah, the, the the costumes basically look like hand-me-downs from the original Battlestar Galactica. They're pretty bad. What, what I was thinking when I was watching it is like, I, I almost feel like, oh, some poor fucking terrible Red Ensign has to put on these stupid outfits oh, of man, leftover that would be awesome. shit and just <laughs> pretend to fight them and get the shit beat <laughs> out of them. Shit <laughs> out of them. And then Worf murders them with the thing longer. <laughs> Oh, man. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, Worf does, uh, at, in his search for weapons on the holodeck, he comes across the thing longer. It's a gauntlet with a ridiculous yeah. finger. Yeah, it's a pinky, too. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, it's yes. got one really yeah. long blade pinky yeah. and then just a giant gray gauntlet. So weird. Uh, and of course, you know, because he's a Klingon, he just gets all bloodlust. Oh, he has a raging murder boner. Yeah, he, on, yeah, like, he, he, yeah. Uh, he becomes enraged. Like, you know, yeah. like he hulks out and then... Uh, they, they kill the two monsters. Yeah, and Riker has to has to snap him back into reality. No, because, bad dog! Yeah. No! <laughs> he pretty much... Shit. Worf, is, Worf is just up in Riker's face like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Riker basically has to hit his nose with a newspaper. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, at, at this point, Riker's like, you do this every day? And Worf's like, no! Most of my calisthenics are much more intense, but those are far too personal to share. Yeah, you know, much, much too sexy. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, that's what's going on. 
The only consistent, the only constant in all these things is the thing longer. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I, I really love about the uh, the calisthenic session is that we come in and Riker's just already filthy. He's just covered in filth yeah. on his face. Yeah, his uniform is all shredded. Yeah, he's too. all dirty. I also they like haven't encountered anyone yet, as far as we know. Maybe they'd already killed like fifty of them. Maybe we, we don't know. It's also kind of funny that they're doing it in uniform. Like I, I get that, like yeah, in, in the field they're gonna do these things in uniform, but when they're on, like when they're on this ship, I would you know probably take my my grubs or something to wear. Well, I don't you know because he gets they do get filthy. You know, it's like well, a lot of the other like holodeck based activities that we see people doing, like you know holodeck based sports, they usually do have weird costumes, like this Precy Squares costumes. Yeah. Or, Riker and his dad have those weird samurai outfits oh, they yeah. wear. And, That's coming and, up this season. In yeah. the episode, the next episode, we got Data dressed up as Sherlock Holmes. Oh yes, oh yes. yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. Uh, sneak preview the next episode is going to be the first Sherlock Holmes episode. That's exciting. But I think Worf just doesn't have time for all that that, that fancy those, yeah. those, those fancy pants. He, he's got to spend his time uh, cultivating that majestic beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Muscles. oh man. Worf kind of looked like he had lazy eye a mm. lot this episode and I'm wondering whether it was like an issue with the makeup. Like I think whether, it's the prosthesis. Yeah, yeah. Like whether it was just like pulling down on one side of his face and so because what was happening was like one eye the uh, the bottom of his iris would meet up with the uh, with the lower eyelid yeah, and but... the other eye the lower eyelid was pulled seemed to be pulled down so we would get to see the white of his eye yeah, between the iris and the eyelid. It's a callback to the director's previously mentioned exploration of different <laughs> angles. Different it's an undershot. Like, yeah, his, his forehead was crooked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at any rate, it, it uh, gave the impression that uh, Michael Dorn was looking in two directions at once. It was a little, <laughs> it was a little off-putting at times. Hey, no, he's, he's a good security captain. That, that's oh, yeah. what you do. You look in every yeah. direction at all times. Nice. He's got everything covered. <laughs> nice, right? you know, nice. Coverage on everything. Um, so, they come across this hole in space and uh, Pulaski comes to the bridge and gives Data a whole bunch of shit for a while. As usual. Because Pulaski is the literal worst. We're one episode into Pulaski's Reign of Terror and already I can't stand her. <laughs> oh, but this does bring up a kind of a continuity error here because Pulaski does say that Data's uh, service uh, record indicates that he is alive. But yet, uh, some episodes from now, we're going to come to Measure of a Man in which Data is going to be deemed a machine and oh, they're yeah. going to have to fight uh, a legal battle to have him uh, declared to be a living sentient being. I I think that might have been it might not be necessarily be a continuity error but I guess the, the trial was to really clarify his status maybe yeah. or maybe they just didn't know they were going to do that episode yet maybe not or, or maybe anything Pulaski says we should just disregard because she's human garbage yeah, yeah that's so harsh <laughs> she's the worst character in the entire oh, yeah, series she's she just never ending shit on Data so would you guys be happier if instead of Pulaski being the chief medical officer on the ship the chief medical officer was Nagilam yeah Yes. That would be hilarious. Absolutely. You know what? I would fucking take Nurse Ogawa over <laughs> Pulaski. Like, if this was just a season where they were just like, shit, we really need to get a new medical officer. All we have are nurses. Like, all we have is our is our medical staff. We don't have an actual doctor on call right now. That would be, that would be an interesting plot point. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, <laughs> Pulaski or Luxana Troy? Worst character. Oh, oh. Pulaski, Luxana Troy, or Alexander? Worst character. Alexander's the doctor. Alexander. Yeah. Doctor Alexander. Yes. As a a four-year-old, of course. 
Yeah, yeah, he could be the Doogie Hauser of the uh, oh of the Star God. Trek universe. <laughs> People Dude, come up. Fucking Doogie Hauser's dad was in Star Trek Three. Yeah, oh. he was the captain of the of the uh, you know the the other <clears throat> ship. Dude, this is when Doogie Hauser was on, right? I would have loved Dr. Doogie Hauser on the bridge, man. Yeah, yeah. Put him there instead of Pulaski. Crossovers would be awesome. (laughs) I still like that Dr. Alexander would be awesome. Like, people would go in with whatever their injury would be, and, you know, he's like a frightened five year old Klingon boy. So they would come in and he'd all she- he'd like sheepishly look at like the you know the the injury and then yeah. just burst into tears. <laughs> Worf would be scowling in the background, just embarrassed. Alexander shaming his family yet again. So yeah, literally any of these characters would be better as the the chief doctor. Okay, Luxana Troy, she's terrible. Yeah. She is absolutely terrible. But as the doctor, that would be kind of funny. And it would make sense because she was also ch- Nurse Chapel. That's, That's true. right. Yeah. That'd be interesting. They could just bring her back as Nurse Chapel. Yeah. Have, have her play dual roles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that'd be so anything would be better than Pulaski. We're agreed. Yeah, um. yeah, pretty much. Because like, I mean, as much as I don't enjoy Loxana Troy all that much, I don't hate her the way I hate Pulaski. Like, yeah. I, in fact, there are some Loxana Troy episodes that I quite like. Yeah. You know, I feel like. I've- <clears throat> I feel like someone's got to stick up for Pulaski. Like, we're, we're really shitting on well, her. Well, I really like Maria Moldar. Oh, yeah. Like, she's a great actress. I think the character is terrible. So oh, yeah. Maria, I thought it was Diane. Diane Moldar. Yeah. yeah. Diane. Maria Moldar is a singer from the yeah. 70s. She did Midnight at the Oasis. All right. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I have nothing against <laughs> the actress. Diane Moldar is great, you know, but... And she's, you know, Star Trek alum. She was on the original series yeah. a couple of times. But as... Dr. Pulaski, you know, they're trying to recreate Bones, and Bones doesn't fit the next gen. Next gen has a very different feel than the original series. Yeah. The original series was still kind of rough and tumble, you know, like it was it was clearly a military style ship, you know, like it was, you know, it was pretty harsh and everyone like like there was no carpet, it was all gunmetal gray. Yeah. People it had was... small quarters, you know. And they were getting into trouble all the time. The the Enterprise D is much closer to a cruise ship. Absolutely, and it's it's all in tan, it's all cushy, yeah, it's, it's shag cushy carpet. and soft curves. <clears throat> there are fucking families aboard. There are puppies. Yeah. Oh, there oh, are yeah. puppies. Puppies. There, there's there's a bin of puppies to play in. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Captain Picard, have you seen the puppies? Have you played with puppies? <laughs> you should go play with puppies. Well, and, you know, the, the the original series, it's still very much a frontier. Yeah. It's it's more just they're exploring in this series. You know, they're, they're, they're mapping everything out. It's not the Wild West the way it was yeah. in the original series. Yeah. You're not running into Nazi planets or yeah, they, Native American planets. They don't, they, don't <laughs> stu- they, don't oh. <laughs> they don't stumble across too many gangster planets these no. days. You know, thankfully. I mean, they do occasionally... Sort of thankfully. I mean, I could kind of go for them mixing it up once in a while. They do occasionally stumble across, like, the sex kitten planet, where, like, (sighs) everyone's just all tanned and wants to do it. The orgy planet, where they almost kill Wesley? Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, Fortunately, there's still the occasional Nagilum out there. (laughs) So, Nagilum uh. is, I, I don't know, It's maybe it's just the tone of Next Gen that doesn't fit Nagilum as a character. Because Nagilum is really lame in this episode, but the, the idea of an omnipotent um, omnipotent troll in space well, we is already, a really great concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his name is Q. Yeah, like, yeah that's true. We got that. So, Nagilum, Nagilum's a little close, too close to Q, I think. Um, but I really without, kind of, the he, without the sense of humor, you know? Like, yeah. Nagilum yeah. just wants to, like, yeah, he's fucking with them, but he's fucking with them for a sense 
essentially science, you know? He's like, yeah. I'm just curious. I'll just kill, like, half your crew to see what that's like. And Q's also a great performance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, it, it's... it's or, or his Nagilum is basically a uh, flattened out, like, Slurpee cup <laughs> on the screen. With eyes. With eyes. Yeah, kind of randomly pasted uh, sideways on it. Yeah, yeah, oh, man, they're so weird. <laughs> it does look really weird. Uh, I still like the idea that, um... They even say, like, oh, the Yamato, where we, you know, when they Worf and Riker beam over to the, the identical ship, first of all, <laughs> Worf suggests strategically they should go to a specific spot in the bridge as yeah, the optimal the, the spot. the back of the bridge so that they can take them by surprise. Yeah, he's like, I know this, sorry, this ship very well. Because like, well, <laughs> it's yeah, exactly it's, the same it, ship as yeah. they live on. No yeah. kidding. <laughs> it's like, it's literally Worf. the exact same floor plan as the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. Nothing is different. Thank you, Worf, for having <laughs> uh, encyclopedic knowledge of this of yeah, of your work environment. Yeah, <laughs> good work. You are the security chief. I'm glad you know your way around your own ship, <laughs> your own bridge, <laughs> where you spend all your time. You nailed it, buddy. Gold star. Uh, and so then they, they get transported over by O'Brien, and they end up separated and not yeah. on the bridge at all. Yeah, in different hallways. Yeah. I really like the idea that, again, I guess it was Nagilam who was fucking yeah. with him. Maybe but, it could have just been O'Brien <laughs> fucking with him. He yeah, just Brian's beamed just them like, down a couple floors. Like, yeah, like O'Brien was just listening to them talk about this shit, and he's just like, God, these guys just... I'm going to show uh, these guys. Whatever. <laughs> like, ooh, I'm going to get the moon surprised at the back of the bridge. Fuck you guys. Hallway. Hallway. <laughs> Dig it. Yeah. Just another hallway of the Enterprise? Yeah, yeah, yeah the Enterprise. He didn't even send this thing mm, about it. seems very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't know. <laughs> Apparently, the ambient noise of the Yamato is different. I didn't really pick up on that because I wasn't really paying much attention. But, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's interesting cool. that, the, that the sound department went and did that. That is cool, yeah. That's you a little know? touch. Uh, so, Yamato... Do you think that's a reference to Space Battleship Yamato? Um, Classic Japanese anime? I think more likely it's just a reference to the actual Yamato, Yamato, uh, which Space Battleship Yamato is, of course, based on. But it, it could totally be both. It, yeah, it could yeah, definitely it could be very both. Well be both. You know, uh, Space Battleship Yamato is pretty rad. Yeah. And certainly many of the writers on Next Gen would have been the correct age to have seen yeah, Space that, Battleship Yeah, that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah. Or as it was known here, Star Blazers. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it known as. But it wasn't the Yamato then, it was called the Argo. Oh, that's in right. Star Blazers. So it's possible that they might not have known because by 87, I'm yeah, unsure. Yeah, it, it would whether, have been hard to find an yeah. a, a Japanese anime version hadn't really of it. exploded over here yet. And, and like home video was basically a brand new thing yeah so finding you know original uh, Japanese original, yeah, Space yeah. Battleship Yamato might have been rough. that's a good point guys you're forgetting that the people that wrote this in the 1980s were sci- television science fiction writers <laughs> you better that. believe they were, that there are people out there that yeah, would they, have seen Japanese anime they, yeah they, these are the kind of people that probably watched Blake 7 or something the, the people who were already on internet news groups yeah yeah yeah, yeah for real <laughs> BBS's and shit yeah totally <laughs> You know, they, they got their subscriptions to Starlog. <laughs> okay. Is Starlog still out? Like, Starlog's gone now, isn't it? I think it might be gone. I feel bad about that. Like, when I was a kid, Starlog was, like, the magazine that I coveted above all others. I used to read it at the library. I, like, whenever I would find an issue of Starlog on a newsstand, I would I literally begged my mom to get it for me. And I almost never got it. Mm. But uh, occasionally I did. And I was just like, Starlog was just manna from heaven for me. But the great thing about old Starlogs, well, I like say 60s old, or 70s I say Star-Logs? old Starlogs, but what I mean is Starlogs from when we were children in the <laughs> okay, 80s, yes, yes, yes. is that they had these advertisements for Star Trek miniatures, like the miniature spaceships. 
Because this was before Micro Machines. This is before the or, Shreddy, the Shreddies ones, you know, too. Yeah, or, like, or, you know, in the, right uh, in the era inception. when... Uh, yeah. yeah, the inception of Micro Machines. But these were more, like, die-cast uh, Star, Star Trek uh, oh. ships oh. that you could order. And I would I wanted them all so bad. Like, I, I, would rem- I remember going through the list and checking off each one <laughs> that I wanted to get. And adding it all up and then trying to work out my, uh, my fucking allowance to infinity. <laughs> trying to figure out how long it would be before I could afford all of these marvelous ships. And then, of course, oh, shit, this is all American. Have to factor in that. And then, oh, no, they don't ship the Canada. Fuck. So Starlog taught you math, basically. Yeah. Right. <laughs> More math Exchange than... rates. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> like, most of those classic magazines don't really exist anymore. Like, I don't think Fangoria is around Yeah, Fangoria's probably gone, which was, like, essentially the horror version of Starlog. And, like, Forey Ackerman died a few years mm-hmm. back. Yeah, Uncle Forey's mm-hmm. gone. Um, yeah, well, I think magazine, just magazines themselves yeah. have, have pretty much uh, died away uh, for the most part. Print media. Yeah, is <laughs> just disappearing. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I used I used to love Starlight and Wizard. Remember Wizard? Oh, I oh, have a stack yeah, of Wizard magazines in my room. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when Wizard. Remember before Wizard went to like nice glossy magazine print, and it was like all newsprint. No. Vaguely. No, don't you remember when we uh, when when Foley and I went to the premiere of uh, of the Super Mario Brothers movie? Of course we did. Uh, with our friend Devin, <laughs> we had a sleepover at my place that night, and Devin brought over like a literal. Well, a, uh, a a shit ton of old. Well, they they were newish at the time. He wizards? brought over a ton that. of wizards. I don't remember them being print though. Well, oh. they, the 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 paper was like not glossy magazine paper. Oh really? It was, okay. It was more like newsprint paper. You know, because they were they were big and thick. You know, like I guess that was a cost cutting measure at the time. Mm. Uh, until Wizard got big enough in the nineties, went with the huge comic boom that they could start printing their uh, magazines out in you know really really nice quality Mm -hmm. so anyway Star Trek uh yeah well there's not a lot to say about this episode like it's great for the first half until Nagilam shows up it's pretty tense there's Mm -hmm. a really great premise it's kind of eerie it was pretty spooky I remember being spooked by this as a kid Um, they kill that red shirt Haskell Haskell they kill him hard too it's it's, it's pretty brutal I'm assuming his brain is boiling inside his head I don't know but he's whatever's going on it's happening in his head and it sucks I thought it was going to be like that movie The Stuff from oh, Larry yeah. Cohen. He was just going to erupt with Cool Whip. <laughs> Nagilam, N- 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 one thing I was, was curious about, Nagilam N- N- said he needed to, you know, his spooky line basically was like, he needed to understand how humans would die, so he had to experience all the different ways that humans <clears throat> yeah. could die. And he figured he'd be able to do that with maybe a third of, uh, a third of the crew, maybe half. Are there really, well, we, were, we know there's basically a thousand people on the ship. Mm-hmm. So he figures there's 500 unique or distinct enough ways to do that? I'm sure he could think of some. This is, so, Nagila obviously, I guess, is five times more inventive than uh, Dave Mustaine. (laughs) (laughs) He only had 99 He only had 99. Well, yeah, well, he is the god of trolls, right? Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, 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 I had something to say, but it's left me. We'll, well, we'll think on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I, I really like just the the basic concept that they have for most of the episode, where it's just this formless non-dimension where they're trapped, yeah. and you know, if any time they go forward, they just come back to where they were. Yeah, they keep dropping nav buoys, and they're traveling away from them, and then I'll. Oh, hey, there's a signal from up ahead. Oh, it's the nav buoy we just dropped. And, and that's really cool. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that 
that could have worked really well as a premise without a godlike being too yeah. cemented. If, I would never anyway, have, yeah, if he didn't have a speaking role, as it were. Yeah. Um, the, but the, yeah, that, that kind of a concept of like the slow realization of how dangerous the situation is that you're in, like, that takes a while for them to dawn on them. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because like this thing envelops them and their first instinct isn't to, oh shit, let's back the hell out of here. Let's send out a probe and see what this thing's all about. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, while we're in here, let's just, you know, check it out. That was one of what the... Uh, go wrong? I think one of the director's other quotes about this one was he sort of had to keep in mind that the people that are involved in this, the crew of the Enterprise, they're primarily scientists and not mm. soldiers, so their reaction to the situation would be a little different than... <clears throat> yeah, because, I mean, we um, see Worf's reaction, and Worf's reaction is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck roo, 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 No, precisely. No. That. Down Worf. Down Worf. As is Don't his, make us uh, put the muzzle on. This is kind of his uh, go-to <laughs> reaction. Yeah. <laughs> when he pulls a gun on the view screen in the first episode. Oh, yeah. So good. Kills me every time. <laughs> Are you going to shoot the view screen? Yeah, damn right. Like, he looks a little embarrassed afterwards, but not embarrassed enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Nagilim's g- decides that he needs to find out how people die, and he's going to use maybe half the crew to figure figure this out to his satisfaction. And Picard is uh, just like, oh, hell no, and decides that rather than let half his crew be killed, he's going to kill his entire crew <laughs> instead, because fuck Nagilim, yeah. auto-destruct. This, that's, that's when you know the troll is one. <laughs> Yeah. That's it's what like, this is really about, is how, how hard do you have to troll Picard before he breaks? Yeah, he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to kill everyone just so the troll doesn't win. Yeah. yeah. Really? And that's Picard. awesome. Yeah. That's but great. I'm just, you know, part, part of me is like, <laughs> what? Well, and then the thing is, at that point, Nagilim, get it. At that point, Nagilim tries to trick him one last time into mm-hmm. turning off the auto-destruct, and when Picard's resolve is too strong for that, Nagilim proves that he's the bigger entity and lets them go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, does he prove that he's the bigger bigger entity, or that he's a whiny little bitch? I think he proved that his, <laughs> his troll was flawless. <laughs> yeah, because then he shows up yeah. later on Picard's laptop to yeah. talk shit. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a, a, a little good. bit of post-game smack. It's like, hey, what up? I'm still here. Yeah. Are you my research. free or are you still in my lap? You'll never know. I finished my research. Turns out you guys are little bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Now, interestingly, in this episode, uh, the auto-destruct now has a timer on it. Because remember back in season one when they put on the auto-destruct, it didn't have a timer. It just had it five minutes hardwired into the system. And we yep. talked about this. Yeah, we did. Uh, because we thought, like, hey, the self-destruct has always had a variable timer on it. Like in all of the movies. And, <laughs> you like, know what? Because that's fucking common sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why on earth in this one episode of Next Gen did they suddenly, like, oh, shit. We, if only we could set it to... Mo- to some other time than, you know, like, five minutes. Yeah, yeah it was in the script. Yeah, so... Uh, that actually leads to one of my favorite things in the episode where Riker's like, uh, so how long should we set it for? Well, yeah, 20 minutes 20. seems like a good round number. Yeah, yeah just, <laughs> let me just, let me just pull a number out of my ass. Yeah, they, it's 20. They analyze it, too. He's like, yeah, should we give the crew a long time to prepare? Or uh, is a quick death more yeah, uh, yeah. Would, more Would pleasant? it be cruel to, like, just draw it out? Yeah. And, I mean, and my favorite thing is that then we just cut to Picard, you know, just chilling in his room, yeah. doing nothing, and, like... Like, did, did he announce it to the did, crew, or did he did just you guys tell fuck anyone? off and forget about it? Yeah, I don't think they told anyone. <laughs> <laughs> There's no alarm or red alert signal or anything yeah. well, either. I mean, you know, what, what, where are they going to be on red alert for? Everybody be alert. We're about to blow up. And Well, wouldn't you hear people, you know, making Shrimping. peace with their gods? 
<laughs> I assume that their uh, that their rooms are relatively soundproof. No, look, what if you're in the middle of a holodeck Klingon calisthenics routine? You'd, you would have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that I feel like there there would be some kind ship, of sound. I'm sure, shipwide communications cut through these because we do have two people come in, so the door is open at different periods. Okay. I feel like you'd hear some kind of background noise. Okay, 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 if okay. People okay, knew okay. what was going on. Okay, okay. So this is a real like regional. He's got a private deck. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, ca- the captain lives on like the bridge the yeah bridge that, that is deck. fair alright yeah. alright so hang on like, so this is a real like regional uh, tangent for you guys the oh, people right. who live on Vancouver Island are well familiar with the BC ferries oh, yes, yes. You, both of you have been on that damn ferry many Thoroughly. times mm-hmm. so the closest thing I can the closest analogy I can come to this red alert or the self-destruct sequence would be like when you're on the BC ferries and then the signal the overhead PA system comes on and they tell you oh we're you know we're gonna land in 15 minutes yeah, or, yeah time to get to your car yeah, time Don't to get to your car your engines we are yet. approaching Swartz Bay Terminal. Exactly. Yeah. How many times have you tuned out or have had headphones on or been taking a nap? It's so easy to ignore that. That oh yeah. That thing. So like I, I think you could easily miss a self-destruct message <laughs> from the captain Probably. if it's just some automated signals. So, Although they had been at red alert at this point, so presumably the the were crew they? were at action stations. No, they were at yellow alert. Oh, uh, they, or no, no. Warf, Warf suggested, suggested they go alert. to yellow alert. Yeah, and they said no. They ever actually I, went I, to red alert. I kind of assumed that they would have gone to red alert after that first crewman got killed. Like, I seem to recall... He was just a red Because remember, this episode (laughs) is the first episode that has the new red alert sign. Oh, yeah, that's right. How lucky was it also that, like, Wesley being, you know, an acting ensign, it's kind of like being in kindergarten where you do, like, a half day of school. (laughs) Yeah. So that's... How lucky was it that he wasn't on the bridge at that particular moment? Because that's the seat he usually sits in. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Wesley almost died this episode. Yeah. That was a close one. Um, Yeah, On on the other hand, you know, maybe they should have given that line, you know, maybe... I chose the wrong time to join this crew to Wesley. Oh, <laughs> oh shit, I definitely shouldn't have stayed. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Last episode's choice was a bad decision. <laughs> bad decision, Wesley. Uh, hmm. So, uh, any more ground we need to cover on this one? Well, you know, there's Nagilam's attempt to trick Picard into turning off the uh, thing by pretending to be... Uh, Both Data, Data and Troy. And, Troy. Mm-hmm. and they just come in and they're acting... Like, the acting is really bad, but I think it's purposefully bad. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's clearly, you know, they're trying to be wooden because they're supposed to be Nagilam's, you know, estimations of these people as opposed to the actual characters. But, uh, you know, Data comes in and he's like, Captain, what? is death what is kiss <laughs> how is babby formed uh, you know that's before what, we die I, I need to know what is love <laughs> baby don't hurt me how is babby formed that's what the last episode was all about weren't yeah, you guys yeah. watching <laughs> <laughs> we just reviewed the trial. Yeah, we, we need oh. to do away in Stain Mothers. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah. Um, I saw So Picard loss. gets a little uh, metaphysical <laughs> on us a bit, you know, discussing his, uh, his views of life and philosophy and shit, you know. Uh, it gets a little pseudo-religious, but it's, not overly so. Like It's almost intelligent design, but kind of just, yeah. yeah, the universe, you know. But again, We've seen a lot of really crazy stuff. Again, you could read it that way, but you could read it as the entire episode is a, an, an elaborate trolling duel between yeah. Nagilam and Picard. <laughs> that, that's true, and that that is basically
basically what's going on. Yeah, Picard at this point... Because he knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows it's a, it's a ruse by Nagilam, and then he's just, yeah, he's just trying to feed yeah, him the line. just going to fuck with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, let, oh, let, let's, let's, let's get on that old god tangent. That, that one always works. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. It's a classic troll. Exactly. Your god is lying. <laughs> what does god need with a starship? <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. There is definitely a god in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. He lives in Sean Connery. I mean, Shockery. (laughs) Shockery. Named for Sean Connery, apparently, because Sean Connery was originally who they wanted for Cybok. That's so awesome. They must have seen his work on Zardoz and thought this guy would be perfect. Oh, yeah. Can can you imagine Sean Connery as Leonard Nimoy's brother? Oh, man. I would show for that. Incredible. That would have been amazing. Or or Um, even a Zardoz crossover with Star Trek? Have them land on the Zardoz planet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. The gun is good. Nagilam <laughs> uh, was named for the actor who was originally going to play Nagilam, which uh, was... Richard Mulligan? Yeah, Richard I Mulligan. Is that the same guy from Empty Nest? I don't know. Maybe? I, I don't know. I, I, can, I can pull it up. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pull that, pull that shit up because I think... I can't picture that. I think that would that's, be weird. Like, I know that guy's na- last name is Mulligan. Let me just say for the record, I hate the name Nagilam. <laughs> yeah, intensely. It's pretty lame. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. It's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, de- I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, Empty Nest. Yes. That's the dude. Nailed it. That guy? Yeah. Oh, man. He was going to be Nagilam. Wow. And then he wasn't. He, he probably couldn't because he was filming the pilot for Empty Nest. Yeah, that would have been right around the, the same uh, time. The, wow. One of the Golden Girls spinoffs. The more successful Golden Girls spinoff. Yeah, not Golden, Golden Palace. Not Golden Palace. What? That's a real thing? Yeah, That's Golden Palace thing, was uh, after B. Arthur left the ship. Like, B. Arthur leaves at the end of... Uh, Isn't Golden Palace what all those boxers used to get temporarily tattooed on their backs? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's because they were the advertising thing. for the show. No. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, and despite that advertisement, the show didn't take off. Somehow. Incredible. Uh, it, it was uh, the hotel that yeah, they, uh, Blanche and Rose start after. Or is it Blanche and Rose? Yeah, I think it's Blanche, Blanche, Rose, and it might even be Sophia as Maybe well. Maybe Sophia as well. Sophia yeah, as well. I yeah. think all of them except B. Arthur. Yeah, because wow. she left the show. So they, they start a hotel, and it's Golden Palace. It's terrible. It's a really oh, bad show. It only lasted one season, I think. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Diecast Enterprise. Next time, more Golden, Golden Girls. Bounds. Damn right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, B. Arthur has her um, has her um, was she on sci-fi Trek? cred too. Yeah, no, she, was she was in the, the holiday special, the Star Wars holiday special. Oh. She she runs the uh, Mos Eisley Cantina. She sings that badass tune. Oh, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Um, Star of life on Tatooine to make our to make us feel better about our lives by comparison. Oh God. So I I on a, for the record, I'd like to say that I before we watched this episode today, I. I really was dreading it thinking it was going to be awful and honestly it was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be it's a pretty yeah. good episode yeah, yeah. Um, this is a decent episode uh, I, I've never really had much of a problem with Nagilam really uh, but uh, I agree that this episode would be superior with Na- with Nagilam being cut out of it I, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. it would be much creepier and much cooler if we just didn't get an answer for this thing if it was just something weird and like they managed to break out of it at the end and just have to leave up some like nav buoys around it to say you know don't go in yep. here. Yeah. This shit's crazy. 
That, that would be like a good fourth season episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just never have him speak, never see him. Mm-hmm. Even that interaction with fake Picard and Troy, would have, a fake, uh, fake Data, Data and Troy, Troy. Yeah. that would have been fine too. Just don't ever give him a Because it would have been voice. a lot eerier if yeah, we yeah. hadn't encountered something else. Totally, Just yeah. weird puppet versions of the characters we know. That would have been great. That would have been really creepy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Alas, it wasn't to be. But still, decent episode. I'm going to so, give it a... Yeah, let's, uh, let's rank it. Yeah, I'm going to rank it a... I'm going to give it a lieutenant. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think I could uh, see myself clear to a lieutenant as well. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the same boat. All yeah. right. All right. Lieutenants across. <laughs> all, all the way. Across the board. Yeah. And you get a lieutenant, and you get a lieutenant, and you get a lieutenant. Um, hmm. Oh, one thing I really wanted to ask you guys. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, so I was thinking, randomly I was thinking about the, uh, the theme song to DuckTales today. <laughs> and for the first time ever, I thought to myself how much it sounds like um, Hollow Notes as You Make My Dreams Come True. That's a great song. It does. My favorite Hollow Notes mm-hmm. song. I think, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to go so far as to say the theme song was inspired by Hollow Notes, but I bet like whoever wrote the DuckTales theme must have recently been listening to some Hollow Notes before they came yeah. up with that jangle. Like, thoughts? You guys? Hollow Notes! Hollow Notes! <laughs> have you heard the Mounties song, Hollow Notes? It's fucking great. No. Just happen to be listening to it on the way over here. All all I'm thinking about right now is Hollow Notes as they appear in Yacht Rock. Of course, yeah. (laughs) We're Hollow Notes! Get your dick out of your heart! Yeah. Ah, uh, great stuff. All right, so uh, what's up next? Elementary. Episode? Oh, my dear data. data. Elementary, my dear data. Yeah. Uh, the um, that'll be the first Sherlock Holmes episode and the introduction of Moriarty, which is great. Yeah. And the guy who plays Moriarty, I, God, I can't remember. He's in something else, and I remember being surprised. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, I think he he's, went on uh, to he went on to play Ned Stark on Game of Thrones. Oh, you know who he is? No, that's he's not right. in. Uh, he's he's in Hunt for Red October. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he totally is. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He's the second in command on that uh, battleship that he lands on. He's the one who doesn't care for uh, Jack Ryan wearing the uniform. Mm-hmm. That That's... Uh that's Moriarty. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I have pretty fond memories of the next episode. It's been a while oh, yeah. since I've seen it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and uh, eventually uh, they do a re- they reprise it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm glad they did because I remember as a kid, you know, thinking, "Gosh, it's been a long time. Did they ever find a way to help Moriarty out?" And then Moriarty came back. I was like, "Woo!" It was exciting. Yeah, I dig it. That was like Voyager, wasn't it? No, no, no. That's that was Barclay aboard the Enterprise. Oh yeah, no, no. I thought they brought him oh. back again way later. Oh, not to my knowledge. Oh. Um, oh no! Maybe. Okay, so reprising my earlier question, oh, yeah. worst character: Luxana, Pulaski, Alexander, or Barkley? Oh, Barkley's oh. better than that. I'll take Barkley over any of those people any day of the but week. Doctor Barkley? Thank you, Doctor Broccoli. Barkley has his problems, but at least Barkley is not a useless character. Maybe, maybe it's just part. because the only episode I really closely remember Barkley from is his first episode, which is a. Yeah, oh. Barkley's first episode is kind of hard to watch. They do much more with the character later. And like, gets... I know I've seen at least okay. one other one with him, but I don't recall much about his character beyond that yeah, first episode he's in. He, and he's... he is obnoxious. He's in, in a few. He's in... Yeah, he is. I know he, he recurs, but... He, he's yeah. Mad Dog Murdoch from the A-Team. Yeah, that is cool. That's true. You know? I, 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 can't, I can't dislike me all that much. <laughs> Dr. Alexander is my pick or worst doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you I know who... Dr. Alexander You know who I would have liked though. to have seen on Next Gen <laughs> instead of Dana Maldar? Yeah. Quincy. Oh, hell yeah! Quincy is Dr. Pulaski? I'd take that. 
Yeah, Quincy is awesome. Quincy is awesome. Y- you know who would have been the absolute best? Peter Falk. Ooh. Dr. Well, Peter Falk. <laughs> As like a kind of a more affable version yeah. of Bones. <laughs> well, Captain, you see the that thing That would have been it. the greatest fucking show. I'm just having a really bad day. <laughs> so. Oh, 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 just one more thing. Just one more thing before I forget. <laughs> Uh, that would have that would have been amazing. But you know, Peter Falk in every role, I'm, I'm all for it. Peter Falk does roll. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we can wrap it up there. So thank you for joining us aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Foley. Jay. And we will see you next time.